Welcome everyone to the first ever Live in the Stream podcast. I'm JJ Zacharyson, which you guys might know me as the late round quarterback, and you might have been pronouncing my last name Zacharyson this whole entire time. Uh, <laughs> and I'm joined by my co-host and new father, Denny C.D. Carter. Denny, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, JJ. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You are, what, 48 hours, a little bit over from having a child, and you are already doing a fantasy podcast. It's pretty impressive. Well, I've been asking uh, my uh, my newborn son uh, who I should play on on Sunday, uh, uh, Kaepernick or uh, Stafford on Saturday. So we'll we'll see what he says. I'm nice. not sure yet. Nice, teaching him early. It's good. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I just wanted to introduce this new podcast that we're going to be doing. Um, you know, we wanted to give you guys a little bit of a sneak peek uh, at the end of this season. It's Championship Week, of course. Um, and then, you know, into in the off season and into 2013, Denny and I are going to hopefully be producing more of these and, and bringing you guys some some fantastic defensive and quarterback streams. So we all know that that Denny has been this defensive mastermind this year with, <laughs> with his calls. And obviously, I, I wrote uh, the late round quarterback, so I'll, I'll try my best to give you guys some some good sound quarterback advice. But, you know, I think. Um, the two combined, we'll try to keep things simple, try to keep things fun, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, the um, uh, talking about the, the the streaming part, and um, uh, I write a streaming defenses uh, column for the fake football every week. Um, uh, I know that streaming defenses is a lot more common than streaming other positions, especially uh, quarterback, where a lot of a lot of fantasy owners like to just go safe and play their guy the whole year. Um, but, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, players who are owners who are willing to stray from that, uh, play your studs edict, uh, are, you know, would, would really take, would really be helped by this kind of advice, uh, especially when the definition of a stud is so fluid throughout the season. I mean, yeah. uh, if you think about people who drafted Brandon Lloyd or Ryan Matthews as, as their studs in August, you know, by mid season, you'd be foolish to just plug them into your lineup without thinking. Right. Um, you know, you'd be foolish not to look at their matchup and see if it actually is a good matchup. And we all run into these problems. And I think the best way sometimes is to trudge through, you know, those tough parts of the season uh, is to identify uh, and exploit better matchups that give you a better shot at scoring points rather than just playing the guys who you drafted pretty highly. Right. Uh, right. It, if you're into actually managing your team rather than just drafting and letting the chips fall where they may, I think selectively streaming players and defenses can be really, really effective, especially as the year goes on. 
Yeah, you know, I, I actually I was driving home from work today, and I was trying to think of some sort of analogy of what happens when your stud ends up busting, and the only thing that I could think of is, you know, my I was wearing a North Face on my way home from work, and I'm driving, and my North Face smelled like crap, and it was because <laughs> I went to this I went to this Indian restaurant, right, <laughs> and so. You know, drafting a stud that busts, you have, you, you go to this Indian restaurant, everything looks awesome, right? The food's great, it's fantastic. Instant you leave that restaurant, your jacket smells like crap for six months, right? So like, and it's not like, it's not like you have like tons of North Face jackets, like that is your jacket, so you're not going to mm-hmm. just replace that jacket. So exactly. I think, I think something that's super important, uh, you know, with, as you said, with, with streaming is that, you know, you can yield a better point output by those particular streams. Uh, as opposed to just sticking with one, especially with defenses, as opposed to sticking with one, you know, throughout the entire season. So that's, I think, at the end of the day, what we're going to try to provide for all of you guys, um, you know, into next season. And we actually do have some insight if you are fortunate enough to be playing in the championship this week. But first, I think one thing that I wanted to do with you, Denny, is to kind of take a look back at the the 2012 season as a whole. Um, you know, how did your teams do? How many leagues are you in? Uh, I'm in four. I limited myself this year because I really wanted to focus on on uh, just a small number and uh, really try to really try to win those. I, I know everybody tries to win every year, but last year I got caught up in like seven or eight, and I couldn't keep track. I mi- I sometimes missed wa- waiver wire claims, so I stuck with four this year. Yeah, that's. What, I mean, I'm in I'm in five, but I know I know some writers that are in like eightfold that amount. I mean, it's just oh, insane. It's crazy. I mean, I mean, good on them. Um, it's it's impressive stuff, but uh, it's it'd be tough to to manage. So, uh, yeah. how how'd your teams end up doing? Well, um, I actually uh, I'm in I'm in four leagues. Like I said, uh, I'm in three three title games this weekend, and uh, I missed out on the fourth with a, a heartbreaking uh, a story that I actually I'll, I'll tell you a little later when we talk about our bad beat stories but yeah uh i feel like um i i this is you know this is my best year in in fantasy so far i've gotten i've definitely gotten fortunate in a lot of circumstances that's all part of it you know i haven't had any horrifying debilitating injuries i haven't had jamal charles blow out his acl and you know cost me a a, a second round pick or a yeah. first round pick depending on the league so i i, I feel like i i have been fortunate but i've also really been trying to, to take an aggressive tack with each league, and I think that's paid off. Yeah, man, I hear you. Uh, I'm in five, like I said. I was in three semis last week, got to one championship. The other two uh, teams that I had both had Victor Cruz and Jamal Charles, so needless to say, kind of done with those. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, my, my big league that I'm in that I, I tweet about often, actually, um, it's our ninth year together. Uh, just a bunch of guys back from home in Pittsburgh where I grew up. And, uh, you know, I I had Stafford last year as my late-round quarterback. And I thought to myself, uh, you know, I got him for $4 out of my $200 budget last year in my auction draft. And I thought to myself, yeah, I'll, I'll keep him. He's going to be the, this, the equivalent value of a late-round quarterback. But what I've realized with that whole concept is the idea of opportunity cost. And I kind of tweeted about this yesterday and, fantasy douche got in on it a little bit um you know i think from my perspective and from the philosophy from the philosophy's perspective um you know what i failed to realize is that even though i got stafford for that late round quarterback value i just i for i for went uh getting 
in keeping a running back or a wide receiver for, for five or less dollars. So I think that kind of handcuffed me. And then also what handcuffed me, hindsight, is that Stafford just completely shat the bed this season. So. Yes, absolutely. I, I actually, I'm, I'm with you on Stafford. I drafted him last year in my keeper league as a late round. I'm talking like 10th, 11th round. Right. I was psyched to get him. Of course, he, he goes bananas all year. Uh, and I think... I uh, I could just just speak from personal experience. I, I feel like I fell in love oh. with the idea of getting us an absolute stud that late, and I refused. I refused to even consider letting him go because right. you know I only keep two players in this league, so I kept him and Ray Rice. Ray Rice is no brainer, but I there were some other players I wish I had kept over Stafford. I you know re- regression was going to come, but this is this kind of regression is unbelievable. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, I uh, I was looking at stats today. He's thrown two hundred more passes than Cam Newton this season, and he's from a from a fantasy standpoint, Cam Newton's outperforming him. And then, I yeah. mean, obviously, because the for what Cam can do with his legs, but you know, and then R- Tony Romo's thrown like sixty plus less passes than Stafford this year, and he had more completions. So yes, that alone kind of tells you the way that Stafford season's been going. I can't even imagine. I cannot imagine what he would be like without Calvin Johnson. It would just... I mean, neither. I mean, the, the guy just wings it everywhere. I mean, the the, the offense stinks. Let's yeah. just be honest about that. And I think that Javid Best made a ton of difference. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, it gave them some threat of a, of a short, uh, a quick pass game, uh, uh, some threat of the run game that kept defenses honest. Defenses... They, they don't make any qualms about it. They send the house at Stafford. Yep. He's constantly gimping around because, you know, he's being hit every other play. Um, you know, he has no time throwing off his back foot. It's just this season is, has, has been the opposite of what I could have ever imagined. Yeah, I mean, and people always talk about Cutler being lazy or Cutler this. Cutler. Matthew Stafford is easily, I mean, you watch the guy. He's easily one of the laziest quarterbacks I've ever watched in my life. I mean, some of his interceptions he's thrown this year have just been, I mean, he should have just thrown the ball away. But, I mean, that's that's for a, a completely different discussion, I'm sure. Oh, man. Um, did you have any uh, big fantasy moments this year that, that you would like to share? You know, uh, my the one that jumps out, uh, I was thinking about it. I mean, there are a few, but um, and I think it was week three, when Jamal Charles had that uh, 233 yard game against uh, against the, the Saints, and uh, at the time of his 91 yard touchdown or whatever it was, I I was down like a lot to my brother in law. I was down probably like 25 points to my brother in law. So that one run cut it to like eight points, yeah. and uh, that was like the most honestly the most excited maybe I've ever been in watching fantasy football. I'm, I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at my screen. And all of a sudden, my score just just changes drastically. I look up, and the red zone and red zone is showing Jamal streaking down the sidelines. <laughs> I was like, "That's the most that's the most psyched I've been in a long time." How about you? Um, so I I I pinpointed more from a from a standpoint of one of my picks. I remember so it was week ten. I've been pinpointing and just destroying Denver's tight end defense all season long, just religiously. And uh, it was week ten. It was when Greg Olson was playing them. And I just I remember tweeting that I would start Greg Olson above nearly any tight end that week. I just was I, I had this feeling the way that that Carolina was slowly finally putting him um, making him a bigger part of that offense. And you know Denver, albeit against some pretty poor tight ends, they've been they were horrendous against them. 
So, uh, you know, I told everyone to start him, and he ended up having a huge day. I think that actually in our in our FanDuel thing that we do, for those of you who don't know, uh, Denny, me, and a few other guys, Dexter's Library, and uh, Matt Riddle, and, and Lad Davies, we do a nice little FanDuel thing every week where the winner gets to uh, send Follow Fridays to each other, and we, we send them out, and we hate on each other and it's just good fun but i think that i think like four i think maybe all of us had greg olson that week which kind of pissed me off but i know i actually was was really pissed when i saw that, that you guys had greg olson <laughs> yeah. because i thought was, i thought he was like mine that week. <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly that's uh you know i mean that's the the denver defense against tight ends they're playing cleveland this week i don't really want to promote ben watson because i promoted I know, ben watson last week and i just don't want to do that again but you know it's uh, like I, I literally talked up Olsen like he was Kellen Winslow senior. Like he, <laughs> he, yeah. he was he was the man. So I felt like I I was I staked my claim with Denario Alexander uh, before his big breakout yeah. game, and um and he had I think Denario had like maybe ten yards receiving going into the fourth quarter uh, of that Denver game yeah. against uh, against the Broncos like uh, six weeks ago, and I had people tweeting these. You know, this is a disaster. I'm I'm unfollowing you. I I've never I'll never listen to anything you say. And he ca- he catches two touchdowns right. in the fourth quarter. And right. Say sa- saves my sa- saves my uh, fantasy reputation. That's for sure. But yeah, yeah. I really did believe in him. And when you when you really believe in a guy and you really go out there, go out on a limb and say you got to play this guy as a top option, not as a fallback, as a top guy. And he comes through. I mean, there's no better feeling for me. I cannot stand when a bigger name expert out there, like someone for CBS sports or ESPN, you know, they, they tell someone to start someone and then that doesn't end up going favorably for that someone. And they tweeted that person literally, I mean, wanting to kill them at the end of the day. And, and it's like, do you do that with your meteorologists? Like if, if, if it's, you know, they're, they're, they're predicting a 20% chance of rain and it rains. Are you, are you that mad at your meteorologist? I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, Fantasy experts and people who are obsessed with it and give advice, people need to realize that they're just more guides. And I think the majority of people do, but then there's some crazies out there. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I take advice I, and, and I, I glean from, you know, a lot of sources over the week. But at, at, in the end, I make the call. I, I push the button to insert a guy into my lineup. Right. And, uh, you know, it hurts sometimes and you want to look for blame. and, and But... You know, it's your call. You just you got to stick with it. Yeah, and you got to deal with it. So, yeah. you know, while we have had our glory moments this year, we've I'm sure had our awful moments as well. I uh, I for one was a huge Darren McFadden supporter at the beginning of the season. Had him in plenty of leagues, uh, and obviously, you know, I I was a huge McFadden apologist when he was struggling. Huge and. I remember that game against Kansas City where he got over 100 yards. And I'm like, look, guys, he got over 100 yards. How many other running backs are getting over 100 yards? And trying to manipulate stats as much as I can. And I realized, you know, looking back, that that's exactly what I was doing. I was just trying to make excuses for something that I, you know, felt so strongly about that wasn't going my way. Um, But there's him and I didn't own AP in any leagues, uh, which was obviously a huge mistake. I just... Looking back, I still think I'd use the same logic, but I, I've learned that you just don't mess with history and historical does, greats. Yeah, no, I, I actually I I uh, pray for forgiveness from Purple Jesus every night before <laughs> I go to bed because I doubted him 
I, I didn't just doubt him. I mean, I, I told I told people basically that they had lost their minds if they were investing a first or even a second round draft pick in Peterson. Right. I, I just didn't believe it. I I read this stuff about how Terrell Davis's injury went back in yep. you know back in his prime, uh, and uh, I just I just bought into that storyline of you know guy is great, guy tears knee, guy is done. Right, and, right. I mean, he he's an exception to every rule. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I think I think you know not only has technology moved forward and and you know tearing an ACL has has kind of changed throughout. I mean, it used to be a career-ending injury. And and now you have guys like, I mean, Richard Mendenhall went through a, a torn ACL right. and he came back. Jamal Charles, now Jamal Charles was earlier in the season, but someone like Mendenhall happened around the same time that APs did. And he, at one point, they thought that he was going to come back quicker than AP did. So wow. I think I think that I'm, you know, I think we'll gradually start to lean the other way, but I'm still always going to have that feeling of, I don't know. I mean, as long as your name isn't Adrian Peterson, I'd probably still have that same feeling. Yeah. No, I mean, he proved, he proved me wrong in the worst way. And, I, and I'm glad to see it. I mean, and good, good for owners who took that chance, who, who went on a limb and got him. You guys did, did awesome. That you, I mean, basically, you got the most valuable player in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yep. For, on the cheap. I mean, that's great. Yeah, and I, actually, four out of my five leagues, he's in the championship. If that, oh, if yeah. that, if that tells <laughs> you anything, course. I mean, yeah. it's it's just absolutely crazy. Uh, and then I think the the other big miss that I've had, and I have to just admit it, is Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is happening? I I I can't comprehend what's going on. It's like the I was talking to my buddy today because I I live in Cincinnati and uh, I I was talking to my buddy who's a big Bengals fan, and I was like, what? What in the world happened to that offensive line? Because Andy Dalton's been sacked, I think, 11 times the last two weeks. And his, his response was, oh, they just decided to run block. It's like, it's like they just completely reversed their psychology. And now you got, uh, you got Ben Jarvis just running loose every single week. So, you know, from, for me, I, I told people to stay away from him. But, again, I guess it's the whole quantity thing for a running back. He's he's been very valuable and he's a guy that's getting you ten points every single week. Yeah. Uh I um I, I do have to say I, I was probably too high on uh on Eric Decker this year. Um I felt like while Thomas obviously Demarius Thomas was the superior talent, I thought that Decker would be able to take on that Austin Collie role. Uh, that he had, uh, that Kali had in Indianapolis for that really short span because of the injuries. Um, but, uh, and, it, you know, so I thought he could kind of compete for that number one gig in Denver. Obviously, that's not the case, and for good reason. I mean, Demarius Thomas is a legit number one kind of foundational receiver. Yeah. I, I really believe that. Uh, Decker has had huge, you know, goose egg, almost goose eggs in games. I think he actually. Is it possible he scored zero in one game? I'm not. Yeah, I've, he. I know that. I mean, he had that streak of like three or four games where he had yeah. like eleven total targets. But yeah, and Peyton wasn't even. Yeah, that, right. Peyton wasn't even looking. That that was the disturbing part to me, and the part where I, I got it wrong on on him as a, uh, you know, as a as a top fifteen wide receiver is that Peyton stopped looking his way for a while. Yep. Uh, you you could watch the games. It didn't. You didn't even have to look at the stats. You can watch the games and see Peyton's head. Turn toward Thomas and stay there, stay there, stay there. Just keep chucking it at Thomas, 
uh, and Decker would just be fighting off, you know, some, you know, the the other cornerback and on the other side of the field. Right. So right. I was definitely, I was that's he's he's one of my uh, one of my regrets. Not it's not like he's a disaster, but I just feel like I was a little I bought in a little too much on the hype. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there are other guys I think that I was just kind of middle of the road. Like, I, like I got Peyton Hillis in one of my leagues. It's not like I was super super high on him. wasn't unbelievably low on him, but um, clearly that hasn't really panned out whatsoever. Um, and then you know, Chris Johnson, I was a huge, huge believer to the point where he was my number three overall pick this year going into the season. Yeah. Um, and, you know, after those first four weeks where we, we all saw the, the 2011 version of him, uh, I think a lot of people gave up hope, which I even admitted defeat with my Chris Johnson pick. But, you know, he's turned it around. He's, he's, been, he's been a pretty solid play this entire season after the, that first quarter of the season. Yeah, I think the running, the the, the skill set is there. Uh, the effort is uh, questionable, and the offensive line has improved tenfold since the beginning of the uh, of the season. Yep. So I think those are the two two kind of X factors that that were hard to predict. Yeah, for sure. So the, throughout the season with uh, through leagues, did you have any any awful beats? Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I mentioned this earlier, but the, uh, in the, so I'm in the fake, the fake football writers league right. and it's a group of 12 guys. I, like I was, I was honored just to be in it. These guys are really savvy owners that made some great moves, great trades all year. Uh, I got to the, I was, um, I got to the semifinal, uh, that, you know, last week, week 15, and um, I was down until Sunday night when uh, when Kaepernick and Aaron Hernandez w- went off for me. So I got this 15-point lead, right? Yeah. So I'm feeling extremely confident in this 15-point lead because my opponent has one player left, and that's the Titans' defense. Oh, my God. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm watching the game on Monday. I'm actually – I was in the hospital – uh, uh yeah, hospital room you know watching my my newborn son sleep right so <laughs> keeping a close eye on the game <laughs> and i was still up uh by one point oh, no i'm sorry i was tied before that last play when sanchez fumbled oh and the titans God. recovered and i lost by two so <laughs> oh man so I was I was seeking perspective there I, looking into uh into my newborn son's eyes i think <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Give me some hope. This, this can't mean this much. Oh, man. Yeah, how about you? Any bad beats? <clears throat> um, I did lose. I've lost two, I lost two regular season matches this year by a combined .3 points, uh, oh. which, was, which was awful, obviously. I, my, my worst beat I, was a stat correction. I had the Niners defense one week when they – I can't remember who they were playing. They put up like 30 fantasy, standard fantasy points, and – I got the Niners defense because some moron in my league. I uh, hope he listens to this after it gets published because so he, <laughs> he knows who he is. I uh, dropped the Niners defense after like week four when they were putting up like four points a week. So I picked them up and I, uh, <clears throat> it was a big game because I, was, I wasn't playing too strong. Uh, I started the season in my big league off 0-2. And, you know, I, was, I just needed a win. I was playing my dad, who's a big fantasy footballer. And... Uh, mm-hmm. And the Niners, and I ended up winning on at the end of Monday night because it was a Monday night game. I ended up winning by point three, 
and I woke up the next morning, looked at my phone, and I lost. Oh, so it's just that it's that feeling of of yeah, I just regained a playoff spot, and then now okay, now I'm second to last in my division. So yeah, that that that's a that's a gut punch there. It is, it is Jeez. just stuff like that. You know, I think that's that's the way fantasy goes, though. I, at the end of the day, I can't really be that mad because it wasn't like the stat correction was incorrect. Right, right. So, so <laughs> no, no, you you gotta you gotta roll. You know what? You uh, th- there's a there's that trade off with stat corrections. I, I I caught one last year where I had lost a game. Ray, Ray Rice was given an extra, I think, three yards rushing, and it gave me the win. So yeah, uh, you know, it, there's a yin and a yang to that, just like everything else in this stupid little game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of the stupid little game, let's uh, let's kind of. Uh, look at week 16 and if people are in championship matchups. Um, and as I, as I said earlier, we're going to try to come to everybody with, with some defensive, uh, from your perspective, and some quarterback plays uh, for each week and starting with the championship of 2012 for most leagues. Hopefully they're not playing in week 17 unless there's a two-week playoff. So go ahead. Why don't you uh, give us some, some defensive streams for this yeah, week? Yeah, well... I mean, there there are a lot of streaming options this time of year because there are so many lifeless teams. I, I call them zombie teams in my my latest fake football column because, I mean, you you if you saw the Chargers play for five minutes last week, you saw a team that has stopped trying. Uh, receivers were dogging it off the line. The offensive line at times didn't even put up a fight against blitzers. Why couldn't they I mean, do that against Pittsburgh? Uh, that's that's the crazy part. I thought that they were. I thought they were playing with house money for the rest of the season, yeah. and and that's why I was a little bit, I was a little bit high on 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 the Chargers' skill players for the rest of the season because I'm thinking, you know, they they got nothing to lose. They go they they go and and beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh is so to come out with that kind of effort against the Panthers was unbelievable, and that's why I think that the Jets, even with their dismal dismal loss the other night, uh. Are a, are a great top ten streaming defense. They're they're at home. I know the playoffs aren't on the line anymore, but the Jets have a decent defense. And really, any defense with a pulse is going to be de- is going to be a good play against these Chargers. Um, the Chargers have allowed double digit fantasy points to opposing defenses six times this season, uh, which is kind of a, an unbelievable number yeah. if you look at the, uh, the season long stats. And they give up 9.7 points on the average to opposing defenses. So uh, I think the Jets are a nice play. Um, the Colts could have been possibly a top three play if Ricky Stanzi would have started for the Chiefs this yeah, week. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, it looks like Brady Quinn is going to play, which I know I know it sounds funny, but Quinn <laughs> I, is a pretty significant upgrade from Ricky Stanzi. So. Right. Um, I think the Colts are still a good a good streaming play. Um, the Chiefs are allowing twelve fantasy points a game to opposing defenses, so uh, you know you're I mean, you're not guaranteed double digit points against them, but pretty you know you have a you have a good shot there, especially with some of the better defenses having tough matchups this week. Right. And uh, my final streamer of the week would be the Redskins at Philadelphia. Uh, the Skins are playing for their playoff lives. Their defense looked really good in Cleveland last week. The Eagles, I think, are you know have the pieces on offense, but between Bryce Brown's fumbling and Nick Foles' erratic play, 
I think that you can bank on on some turnovers. You know, I can't say you know one, two, seven turnovers. I, there's no you know there's no way of knowing. And until the uh, game starts, you get a, f- a feel for the game. But uh, the, I think the skins will will exploit them. The effort I think will be on the skin side. Uh, and you really can't. I don't think that you can underestimate the uh, uh, the factor, the playoff factor, um, right. where the, the Eagles have their season has been over for weeks now, and the skins. Uh, like I said, uh, have everything on the line this week. Um, so getting into quarterbacks, it it's it's a tough week for for some quarterback streams. Uh, I I looked at it and there are some that seem obvious, um, which I'll the first guy I'll talk about is obvious. There's some that just aren't, uh, but I'm I'm sticking to them. So the first guy that that I am uh, promoting here is Sam Bradford against Tampa Bay. Um, mm-hmm. So you saw Nick Foles and Drew, and Drew Brees over the last two weeks. Uh, they combined for 689 yards and six touchdowns against the Bucks. I think you and wow. I could probably combine for about 300 yards against them. Yeah, I threw for 188 against them. Yeah, yeah, I thought game, I so. thought I remember seeing that stat line. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, it, they the the worst performance that they've given up since week seven was a 251 yard one touchdown performance to to Christian Ponder. So. Mm. I think I think one thing with with the Bucks, we all remember that big Eli fourth quarter, which made us all kind of realize, wow, the Bucks secondary is awful. Uh, and I think that you should expect, I would expect Sam Bradford to put up at least fifteen standard points this week. Um, I think that he's a better play than someone like Andy Dalton against Pittsburgh. Uh, Dalton, although you know Keenan Lewis, Pittsburgh's now number one corner with Ike Taylor being out, uh, hurt himself. Apparently he stepped on a hole in practice and he, <laughs> and he, and he hurt his knee. So like, can, can things you're, get, can things get any worse for the Steelers right now? I mean, man, just, that's your 2012 Steelers, everyone. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's unreal. It's just unbelievable. So, uh, and, and obviously, you know, me living in Cincinnati and them having to play Cincy this week is not going to be fun, but, uh, so, you know, I, I do think Bradford's a, a solid, solid play against Tampa Bay. I'd easily put him in the top 11 or 12, I think. Um, especially if you're if you're in need of a quarterback. Um, so my second guy, actually, you know what? I'm going to skip the second guy because okay. I, I don't even want to talk about him. But third guy is Matt Schaub against Minnesota. So Minnesota's given up a touchdown pass every single game this season except for one. And lo and behold, it was against our man Matthew Stafford. Oh, God. The, uh, the, the agony. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they, they just gave up 377 to Bradford and 324 to Cutler. Uh, I think we do need to, you know, realize that those two guys combined to throw 88 times against Minnesota. Or, no, I guess it was 108 times um, against Minnesota because they both had over 50 pass attempts. So I don't think, I don't think Schaub's necessarily this incredibly high upside play, but I think that from the perspective of Minnesota giving up at least a touchdown every week, you know, we saw... I think there were 14 starting quarterbacks. There was a lot of starting quarterbacks last week that uh, didn't even throw a touchdown. Or had, had there were 14 that threw one or less. That's what it was. Uh, yeah, I so, think I saw that, yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, I think that Schaub is, is a solid play this week. I, you know, if you're in the championship, hopefully you don't have to rely on him. But if something happened and if you followed the late-round quarterback strategy, then maybe Matt Schaub is, is your guy. Yeah, you could do a lot worse, I think, than than Schaub. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the last guy, it really pains me to say this, and I've been looking at rankings over the internet just to see what other people are thinking. 
Last guy I have is Joe Flacco. <laughs> oh man, your your mortal enemy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I I am the number one Joe Flacco hater on this planet. I he's he's just bad at football. He's not good at the sport. Um, I think if he actually played against Tampa Bay's secondary, he'd probably throw for negative three yards. But <laughs> in, in all seriousness, he's he's playing the, the Giants this week in Baltimore, which we all know he's played a lot better in Baltimore uh, than on the road this year. There, you, you have injuries in the, in the uh, Giants' secondary, which are still kind of up in the air. You know, if, if Prince and uh, Kenny Phillips end up playing, I think that you should probably stay away from Flacco. But if they're still out, we, we all saw what happened last week with Matt Ryan um, against the Giants. The Giants just looked pitiful. They looked awful on defense. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, you shouldn't have to rely on Flacco. But if there is... You know, if you're in a very deep league or if you're in a two-quarterback league, you know, Flacco's a guy that, that I think will get, will get an opportunity to throw the deep ball. Torrey Smith could, could have some, some chances if they're, you know, like I said, if those injuries uh, persist with the, the Giants secondary. And I just, I, I don't like Joe Flacco at all as a quarterback, but I have to say that you could do worse this week. Yeah, and I, I, think, I don't think there's anything that says that a guy like Flacco couldn't outscore a guy like Stafford right. uh, th- th- this week. I mean, wh- that that would that would be by far uh, not not even close to the craziest thing I've heard th- this week. Uh, uh, I can easily see Flacco throwing for a couple touchdowns, and I can s- easily see Stafford playing exactly like he did last week in, in Arizona. Right. So, uh, I think you know that this is all part of it. Evaluating a matchup rather than just going with the guy who drafted in the second round. Right, and and another thing that I wanted to point out with another player is, um, I think you know if you look at raw raw statistics and you just look at opponents' rank and and so on, you you and and you don't really dig into it, uh, you start to make some bad lineup decisions. You know, there's always injuries or there's always I, I like to look at at teams kind of in waves. I think that defenses especially just have kind of like three or four games in a row where they're just out of control good, and then all of a sudden they're horrible. Like, Philly's defense right now is not playing all that bad. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, they're, they've, been, they've been putrid all season long. So the one kind of beware guy that I just wanted to throw out there was Ryan Tannehill. Uh, they're playing Buffalo this week, and everyone's going to look at what Russell Wilson did against, against the Bills last week and his 38-point performance or whatever the heck it was in this three-rushing touchdown first half. Um, and Ryan Tannehill is coming off of a 22-point performance himself. But I think, uh, in reality, if you, look, if you look at what they're doing through the air, or what quarterbacks are doing through the air against Buffalo, you know, Russell Wilson didn't do that much. Now, a lot of that was because they went ahead early in the game and he wasn't asked to throw. But it's been actually kind of a common trend for the Bills, who they haven't allowed more than one touchdown pass in five straight games. So wow. I, I wouldn't want to to rely on, well, I wouldn't want to rely on Ryan Tannehill, period, but, um, you know, you don't, you don't want to rely on his legs, even though he did have, I think, like 50, he had more rushing yards last week than Ray Rice, let's just put it that oh, way. Jeez, Which that's is, the most depressing thing I've heard this <laughs> month. Wow. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we'll leave it at that, but I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to rely on Ryan Tannehill's legs, which is what, which is the sole reason that Russell Wilson was successful last week in fantasy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I think. I mean, I think Tannehill could be a, a decent play, but the Bills' uh, defense. I actually wrote about the Bills' defense 
uh, for um, sports jerks uh, the other day. Um, since week eight, since their bye week, they've been a, a completely different defense. Yeah. They're not. They're not the. They're not the pushovers that they were for the first six or seven weeks when they were giving up 200 yards rushing a game, just getting gouged by 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 runners and quarterbacks. So, like they're a different unit, and I think that they actually shut down the Dolphins' offense um, before Thanksgiving on a Thursday night. Yeah. They uh, they really put the clamps on that offense. I I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be shocked if they did it again. Yeah, Tannehill put up six points that week. I mean, if that's telling as to what could potentially happen this weekend. Um, <clears throat> but I think you and I actually had some conversation about the Bills' defense. And that, that's kind of another thing is that I, I love how when people look at, you know, a, a five- or six-game stretch and they say, oh, but they didn't play anybody or they didn't play anyone good. But but at the end of the it's the NFL. I mean, parity is is the number one word. when is the most synonymous term with the NFL and I think that when you look at stats you sure you have to have a certain mindset when you're when you're looking at how teams are performing especially on defense and you're seeing uh you know oh they played against Miami and they played against I don't know Cleveland and Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like there are only so many elite quarterbacks in the league that can really just just destroy your defense so I don't I don't really put much uh weight into that I just think yeah. it's, you know, I think, like you said, the Bills' defense is, has played well. They're doing what they've been asked to do. Absolutely. I, I just, I think that you're making a mistake if you if you think that uh, Tannehill is going to pull, uh, pull a Wilson. I mean, the Seahawks are the most brutally efficient offense in football right now. Yeah. They, they, they do everything right. They make very few mistakes. Uh, they, I mean, they're, they're, they're a freaking buzzsaw uh, for anybody. And uh, the Dolphins are not. So let's just leave it at that. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, those are our streams for the week. One thing that I did want to do and introduce to the pod is for each of us to kind of have a 30-second kind of rant at the end of each one just to get things off our chest. Um, kind of around the horn-esque, I guess. So I don't want to act like we're, we're stealing from them. But uh, <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll start first, I guess. My my idea here is to talk about I, I need to talk about ranking versus value. So I want to use an example here. If Aaron Rodgers scores five hundred fantasy points in a season, Drew Brees scores four hundred and ninety-nine, Brady four ninety-eight, and Sam Bradford ranked twentieth, let's say, if he posts four hundred and eighty points, would we say that it's imperative now to draft an elite quarterback early? Me, I say no, because you're only gaining 20 points from the 1st to the 20th ranked quarterback. So I get this a lot on Twitter. I get this, but Rodgers, Breeze, and Brady are top quarterbacks this year. But at the end of the day, that's irrelevant because rank does not and will never equate to value. Value is when you're comparing one position to another. Rank is when you're comparing one, one the same guys within the position. And you can't necessarily determine what value is without that comparison. So I think at the end of the day... People need to realize that when you are doing evaluations, you know, of the season and and who to draft next year, it's all about value. The rank really shouldn't matter. Yeah, I think that people will get that idea if they actually uh, uh, take you know the advice that you offered in your book and 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 you know wait and wait and wait. Uh, it's uncomfortable sometimes, but yeah. if you wait in the draft, get get a late round guy. Maybe you know, grab another guy down the road and and just play matchups. I think that that people will finally see what you're talking about with 
the difference between rank and, and value. Definitely. Yeah, but so for my 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 rant is uh is more of an apology than a rant, and and I think that I think that a lot of fantasy writers are are in this boat. I want to apologize to the plotters, to the running backs who are unimpressive runners, but proved worthy this year. Um, I think we get so wrapped up, you know, the obsessives get so wrapped up with skill and upside and, you know, the, the physical tools that we forget that head coaches are sometimes committed to one guy and the more talented younger player often is not going to get a real chance during the season, barring, you know, catastrophic injuries. So, I mean, the one exception here, I think, was C.J. Spiller. And I know that sounds a little nuts because people are, you know, have clamored to free C.J. Spiller since September. But he look at the guy's ninth in running back scoring. And despite a woeful lack of carries behind, you know, Fred Jackson, who he Fred Jackson is a plotter. He's not he's not particularly fast, doesn't have great lateral agility. Um, He'll get what is blocked. But uh, so Spiller has overcome that uh, uh, that barrier. But. Um, listen, just just try to process this and think of how you and August would have reacted to this. Because when I was looking at these stats, I mean, I mean, I, I cried a single tear. I, I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, Michael Turner is the 15th best running back this year. Behind, uh, he has more points than Steven Jackson, Reggie Bush, and I know a lot of these are injury related. LaShawn McCoy, DeMarco Murray. Uh, uh, DMC. I mean, are you kidding me? You're telling Michael Turner. I was laughing at people who were drafting. I was I was literally LOLing at people who were drafting Michael Turner in August, and now he's the 15th best running back. Sean Green is the 16th best running back. Uh, he has dealt, he scored double digits six times this year. Okay, he's not he's not even touchdown dependent. That's the crazy part. He has. He has six touchdowns, so it's not like he has to plunge into the end zone to get any value. And like you said, the law firm, Jarvis Green Ellis, 13th best fantasy running back, just nine points behind Chris Johnson and only 20 points behind Jamal Charles. That's Uh, absurd. It's unbelievable. So I want to apologize personally to the plotters, the straight line runners, and all the people who drafted them because you guys were right and I was wrong. I hear you. I'm in the exact same boat as you are, clearly, with my Ben Jarvis Green Ellis comments earlier. But, you know, you're right. The, the sexy pick is not always the best pick. So yeah, I, I mean, think with that, uh, you know, it's, it's our first podcast coming to an end. Hopefully, you know, we'll be doing this more in the future. I know that we will be doing more in the future. So uh, I'm JJ Zacharyson. You can catch me at Late Round QB on Twitter, uh, this website, LateRoundQB.com. Uh, Denny, you want to. You wanna, Say your bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can uh, get me on Twitter at at CD Carter thirteen. Uh, I also uh, I write for thefakefootball.com and sportsjerksnet.com. If you'd like to check it out, uh, and uh, pretty much on Twitter and all wa- all waking hours, even with the newborn. So uh, uh, give me your questions, and I'll try to answer them as best I can. That's right. He's dedicated. We both love fantasy football, and we're just living the stream. So-